0: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by T-shirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Bo Estes of NBA and NBA.com. We are recording this on the eve of the NBA draft Wednesday So By the time everyone's listening to this, hopefully it'll be Thursday morning and the draft will only be a few hours away. So Bo, thanks a lot for joining me for this one, man.
0: Uh, it's my pleasure. This is, this is my favorite time of year. We just got done with the NBA Finals. That was terrifically exciting. It was great to see Danny Green get another championship. And, and now we move quickly into the draft and then summer league where, where players are making their futures. So if you're a young player, this, this is the time to press the gas and move forward.
1: Oh yeah. Summer league is always interesting. You know, it's the, the opinion is seems to be either summer league is like vital or summer league is useless. <laughs> There's really not too much in between as far as like the opinion on it. I don't know.
0: Well, I think it, particularly if you're a marginal player, it's a chance to make your career Uh, because you're going to, you, the team you're playing on is not necessarily the team you're going to end up on. Uh, So everybody's watching. And if, if you're a guy looking to make a team, summer league's a big chance if you're you know the top five pick in the draft your future's rather secure so it's a different story
1: gotcha yeah I remember you know you've seen those uh the high draft lottery guys who've gone to summer league and then bombed out and then they've done fine and then others have lit the world on fire and then never to be heard from again it'll be interesting and you know the the Tar Heels will probably have a few guys that are on that cusp like you mentioned Bo that are trying to really work out for teams over the summer league, but we'll get to them in a second. So looking at the draft overall, here we are, you know, there's been a thousand and one mock drafts put out at this point. The rumors are flying. Basically the only sure things are Duke's Sound Williamson going number one, and then John Morant point guard at Murray state going number two. Now from three on, You know, looks like the Knicks, from what the scuttlebutt is, sounds like they're pretty locked in on R.J. Barrett. Kobe White, though, he is a name that is popping up just all over the draft boards. And it's pretty, I think, unanimous at this point that he's going to be the first UNC player taken off the board. When you're looking at Kobe, Bo, first off, where do you think he will potentially fall in this draft?
0: Well, I tell you what, j- just to give people an idea in leading up to this and in the past week or so, I've talked to uh, a former NBA GM, I've talked to scouts uh, and other people that that are in the media. Uh, as far as Kobe White, the person I talked to, one one person said that he's a huge fan and he puts him ahead of jaw. That's how high he had Kobe White. Uh, the The word is he's a great competitor uh, with a great background, he, you know, to me and to everybody else. He's not what you would think of as a prototypical point guard from 10 years ago, but the game has changed so much. And to me, that's to Kobe's advantage. He's, he's a bigger guy with enough handle. He's, he's a good, not a great passer. I mean, you think of great passers at UNC, you think of guys like Kendall Marshall, he's not that level passer, but maybe he doesn't need to be. Uh, So I I think Kobe white is high lottery and, you know, there is so much about him skill wise that that obviously jumps off the screen, but a lot of it is his mental attitude and the way he is such an alpha player. Uh, people love that, and people love the confidence that this guy has walking right in the doors in Chapel Hill and taking that team and, and really running things.
1: Well, and I think the other thing, too, apart from just that is the fact that I mean, Kobe the thought of backing down is not in his vocabulary. I mean, even when his shot was not falling, he would attack over and over and over again. And I think from the point guard position in the modern NBA, that's super valuable. If you have someone who can actually, you know, get bumped by a defender and then still go up. I know his his finishing through contact wasn't great last year. But do you think that just his size is also something that NBA teams are really intrigued by?
0: I, d- I definitely think that actually. Uh, the thing is, if you imagine the NBA now, there's there's a lot of high pick and rolls. you know, some teams run a lot of movement off the ball. Kobe can, if you think about it, be effective either way. Imagine him in a high pick and roll. He has the physicality to take a little bit of contact, drive to the hole. He's good enough passing that he could toss it up to somebody. Imagine like a clint capella running to the rim. He can do that. Or he can finish, and you know I know that you cited his numbers finishing at the rim. They they could be better. I think they will be better. I think that's something that he improves at, uh, upon. And I just this is a guy I just keep coming back to it that when when he came into Chapel Hill last year, I, I talked to a couple of former Carolina players socially, and the th- it was almost like you started hearing these whispers like Have you heard about Kobe? Have you heard about Kobe? He just walked in and just took over, and it's one of those things that, okay, maybe do I believe that? Do I not believe it? And it was evident early on that this was the guy. He just walked in and was the guy, and we all thought it was going to be Nas Little, and Nas Little obviously supremely talented but it's a mentality thing with Kobe and I think it, it, it's reflected in the way that he carries himself on the court. I think I think you can imagine him being a, a strong defender down the road. Uh, he's got the frame. he's six five, he's not super strong. he's not super athletic, but I think he can get stronger and I think he can get more athletic. Um, he's never gonna be a, a vertical leaper on the order of a, of a John Morant. He's not going to be that, but I don't think that really matters if you think the best point guard in the NBA right now is Steph Curry. He's not supremely athletic. It's it's a skill-based league now and Kobe White has skill. So looking
1: at the draft, you know, New Orleans after the trade with LA for Anthony Davis, they took over that 4 spot and the Pelicans since they got ball back in, in that trade. I don't think that they're, that they're going to be in the market for a point guard. However, they're apparently very actively shipping that pick. If New Orleans were to send it to someone else, Bo, do you think that that
0: Kobe could potentially move as high as number four? I definitely do. Actually, uh, here, here's what I think. Uh, As we record this, you know, you know, things change so fast now in the NBA. Uh, The Atlanta Hawks were shopping the eight and the 10 pick to the New York Knicks for the three pick. That didn't work out. Apparently, they've reached out to David Griffin with the New Orleans Pelicans about the four pick. Uh, If that works out, everybody knows that the Hawks have Trey Young as the point guard, but you can imagine Kobe doesn't necessarily need to be the one. In in fact, a person I talked to said he can play off the ball as well as on the ball. Think about Kobe's skill set. He can shoot off the dribble, but he can also shoot off the catch. It doesn't really matter with him. And, that man, that's really to his advantage that he has those skill set. You know, you drop down to number five and you look at Cleveland. They have a guy in Colin Sexton who was better in the second half of his rookie year than he was in the first half of his rookie year. Would they consider adding somebody else like Kobe? Perhaps. And then you get down to Phoenix. And then it, I imagine that Kobe is off by number seven. At Chicago if if he's not gone by then I would be surprised
1: I was gonna say so you would put his kind of his bottom I guess of the floor for him you think is around that seven pick to Chicago
0: that's my guess now absent any uh wild trades which there are seemingly on the hour now in the NBA but at this point you know if things sort of shake out as they are I wouldn't imagine him going lower than seven nobody's going to want to miss on a guy that has a chance to to be the level player that Kobe White has a chance to be. So I, I, I I, I can't imagine him going lower than seven. And it's
1: been an incredible journey for Kobe as well. I mean, he came into the team this year. Just no one really anticipated that he would even be one and done. Some people thought maybe he had an outside chance. Now we're talking about him as a top 10 pick. I mean, it's crazy, and he has absolutely earned it. Now, let's actually take a very quick break, Bo. here to talk about our friends at Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. For everyone listening in, Father's Day has come and went. Hopefully, everyone got their dad some Carolina gear for listening to this podcast. Hopefully, you are a UNC fan. Hopefully, your dad is as well. But Giant T-Shirt, they are a longtime sponsor of Inside Carolina. They are an icon on Franklin Street as well. The football season is about to start up Start up in just a few short months. When you're on campus, make sure you swing by the store. They cater to Tar Heel fans. It is all Tar Heels over there. They have the best customer service. And if you are an Inside Carolina premium subscriber, you get a 10% discount code. You can get that off of the Inside Carolina message boards. You know, Bo, I don't think you make it to back to Chapel Hill too often, but when you do, do you ever find yourself swinging by a giant t-shirt just to see what they have in stock?
0: I make sure my bank account's full when I head up there, yeah, because <laughs> I, I end up buying a lot of Tar Heel gear when I'm there in person, just honestly because it's better than the stuff you can get when you're away from Chapel Hill.
1: It is. So for everyone listening in, make sure you go to Giant T-Shirt there on Franklin Street or T-shirt.com. All right, back to the podcast. So we've talked about Kobe White. Now let's talk about someone who really is just an enigma at this point as to where he could go in the draft, and that is Nasir Little. Coming into the season, talking about college, he was lauded as a potential top three pick. Now, you know, Bo, I've seen him anywhere from just inside the top 10 to even in like the low teens. Is there any sort of like general opinion on where Nasir may be picked tomorrow night?
0: the challenge is is that there is no consensus on Nasir Little i mean here's the things that everyone generally agrees upon physically he's very talented uh he's a really smart guy uh and he has ability from there it gets uh a little bit gray there there are some people that think he is rising quickly in this draft there are some people that think he is dropping quickly In this draft. Uh, Supposedly, I heard from someone that he lost 20 pounds uh, going through the workout process. And, you know, to some people, that's a red flag, like he's going to carry too much weight. What my understanding of that, you know, and my view of that is this. Nasir Little, if you saw him play in high school, was a, a thinner lighter, more agile player than he was at UNC. He just went through the workout program and got a lot stronger. Uh whether that helped him as a basketball player or not is is sort of up for debate. Uh to me what it did hurt and it frequently hurts in in players like him is when you put on a lot of muscle, it impacts your touch. And Nasir Little did not shoot particularly well uh from deep in his freshman year. I mean, you you look at his numbers and he's he's a 26.9 three-point shooter at UNC. That's not good enough, especially for the positions that he's going to be playing in the NBA. You need to be able to shoot it from deep. Uh, But then in, in talking to another person, apparently he's lighting it up in the workouts. The concern there is in a basketball game setting versus a workout setting. Some people can shoot in workout settings, and it just doesn't work in a basketball setting. So honestly, with Nasir Little, we're all over the place uh, but we, you know, I, at the end of the day, you can't teach the talent this guy has, you can't teach the wingspan this guy has. And I really believe that this guy's a hard worker and wants to get it done. So I think those are some things that you put in play and you think you've got a pretty good prospect.
1: So you mentioned the wingspan and I was going to bring that up because, you know, he measured at six, six, but his wingspan was seven and then one point quarter inch guy. I love the quarter inch there. (laughs) So basically seven, one wingspan with a six, six height. Do you see him as a potential stretch for Bo, or do you think he slots more naturally into the small forward role in the pros?
0: Well, that's a challenge for him, right? Because uh, he's not – it doesn't seem there's that tall uh, or tall enough to be a stretch four, really. And the other part of a stretch four is what you're stretching is the defense with your shot. So he needs to be able to shoot it a little bit better to be a stretch four if he's even going to go down that road. If he's more of a three or a perimeter player, the one the one weakness he has, as far as I'm concerned, is ball handling. Uh, his ball handling could be not a little but a lot better Uh, so the one with Nasir, the thing I noticed with him is when he saw a flash of an opening in the paint, he was quick with a power dribble and an explosion for a finish. He can do that when the second defender comes and they will in the NBA, his second move, uh, his ability to recognize an open teammate, his spin off that second defender, that's where he gets into trouble. To me, that's understanding basketball, that's more experience, you're playing at a higher level now, and your athleticism doesn't just carry the day. So that's where Nasir's going to have a challenge. If he overcomes that challenge, if he becomes a guy who understands where the defense is coming from and what his options are and can execute those options, I think he's going to be a strong NBA player and a team could get good value if he starts to fall in the draft. Uh, If he doesn't understand that and he doesn't overcome that, it's going to be a challenge for him.
1: Are there any teams in particular that you think may be better landing spots than others for Nasir? Because I've seen actually a couple drafts have him on the higher end potentially going to Charlotte. I do not like that as far as a fit personally. Um, I think that Charlotte is – they're kind of full there at that tweener, small forward, power forward. But what are your thoughts on just teams that you you think that could help develop this year into a successful pro?
0: Well, just so you know, the teams that are thought of as development teams in the NBA, Miami is one of them. They're at 13. Uh, You don't see a lot of uh, teams talking about him there. But I I think a team that likes him, I've heard that they really like him at number nine is the Washington Wizards. Mm. So, you know, he he could get that high. I'm not suggesting that that's a lock, but I've heard that Washington really likes him. So that the situation with Nasir also is I don't necessarily think he needs to be thrust onto the court right away in a heavy yeah. minute situation. I think he could learn from watching uh, and learn from playing and practice with more experienced players. I don't think that means he needs to sit bench. I mean, if he's a fifteen minute a game guy in his rookie year, I think that's a good thing. You know, and you think about a team like the Atlanta Hawks, this is a team that, that threw three number one picks out there last year. They had three first round picks. They've got three first round picks this year. So there'll be a lot of competition among younger players for minutes. Uh, that is assuming the Atlanta Hawks don't move some of these picks. So there, there are a lot of landing spots for Nazir Little. And to me, among the Carolina guys, he has the biggest range of possibilities. Uh, there there was a term that we used to use in the NBA draft years ago, and I guess it still gets thrown out there, some tremendous upside. Nasir has tremendous upside. If his body is right, if, if this little bit of weight loss pays off for him, if he's uh, better with his shot and can get his handle, you're talking about a supreme talent. Uh, if it doesn't work out for him, then it's it's a guy who's going to have to work to find his place in the NBA.
1: Let me ask you one last question on Nasir, and then we'll move on. San Antonio at number 19, if they stick in that spot, would you be surprised if Nasir got past the Spurs at 19?
0: So I know some people in the San Antonio organization, and uh, you know I think that the, that's a, another organization. We talked about Miami. That's another organization that can develop players, and frankly, San Antonio's history, they have taken players across the spectrum, and, and by that I mean players that were more skilled than they were athletically talented, and they developed those guys, and more athletically talented than they were skilled, and they've developed those guys. So if he landed in San Antonio, I would be thrilled for Nasir Little. I don't know that he'd be happy waiting around to 19. He's one of those guys that's been invited into the green room, so he's expecting to be picked. You know, top 20 for sure, and that's San Antonio, but I'm sure he'd like to go higher. Uh, My hunch is that uh, if he is there at 19, San Antonio would take a long, strong, hard look at him. All right. Sounds good. And, yeah, hopefully Nasir does
1: go before then. I always like to see the Tar Heels go as early as possible, but, you know, at the end of the day... Being a part of the Spurs franchise, that is an opportunity that I think is great for young players. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the third name here, and that's going to be Mr. Cameron Johnson, everyone's favorite three point sniper who had a tremendous season for the Heels. And, you know, he's another one, Bo, that I feel that his name is just popping up a lot of places in the draft i have like for instance on the ringer.com their draft i was just looking it up they have him as high as 24 and that's actually pretty high compared to what i've seen because a couple mock drafts i was looking at didn't even have him in the first round are you hearing anything about cameron johnson here
0: i'm go- i'm going to give it to you this way i threw out the name cam johnson to a friend of mine who's a former nba gm these were his exact words quote I love him. He is rising in this draft. He reportedly shot it really well in workouts. So that's that's the story on Cam Johnson. They, there are a lot of people that really like Cam Johnson. He is it, no doubt about it. It's not close. He is the best shooter in this draft. You couldn't be a prospect yeah. with Cam Johnson's skill set and come out at a better time with the way the NBA is playing the NBA craves three-point shooters, particularly ones with size. Cam Johnson is a three-point shooter with size. Uh I just I just think he his timing is absolutely perfect. Um the the critique on him there's a couple, but uh you know, he is an older player. That said, if he's drafted later in the first round, those teams tend to be better and they would like an immediate impact from their older player. Cam Johnson is a guy who walks into the league, able to make an immediate impact, and those the those NBA personnel are always looking for that opportunity. Also, with those older players, uh, to see if they can get on that cheaper rookie deal, good use out of them before you really have to start paying them big money. So, I think Cam Johnson is in a beautiful position. Uh, And I I think, you know, you're not going to talk to a person who doesn't really like his ability to shoot it uh, in the NBA because it's just such a valued commodity.
1: And I think, too, at his position, the knock is that he's a little bit on the smaller side as far as frame. Uh, he he measured at six eight and a half, 205, and then wingspan 6'10". So a positive wingspan there. And that also contributes to, like you said, his ability to just get off his shot. I mean, his release is crazy good, crazy fast. 45.7% from three-point. I mean, yeah, he's going to have that. But with his frame and being able to play defense, Do you think that he would be able to develop into a plus defender in the NBA?
0: You know, we talked about Nasir Little putting on muscle uh, in the last year. Cam Johnson is a guy who could afford to put on a little bit. I wouldn't want to put on too much, honestly, because his most valuable skill is that shot, and I wouldn't want to do anything to mess with that shot. So to me, uh, his ability to learn positioning on defense, again, remember what I said, the NBA runs a lot of high pick and roll, so his ability to read that and be able to stay for a bit with a quicker point guard and contest on a three is going to be valuable. Uh, Can he then also get down and rebound? Those are going to be challenges for him. That's what he's going to have to show that he can overcome. But um, apparently in all of the meetings with teams, they've really been impressed with this guy. Uh, Another concern for him, and it's a concern in the NBA right now, this particular injury, he's he's had a hip injury. The, The thing I would respond to that with is look at Cam Johnson in his first year at UNC versus his second year at UNC after he was corrected. He's a different player to me. He's just that much better. He was more mobile. He was able to get things done that he wasn't able to get done his first year at UNC, and his shot stayed the same. So, uh, again, for Cam, for Cam Johnson, I just it's it's a really bright future, and, and you couldn't be happier for the guy because you didn't expect him when after last season or when he arrived at Carolina that this was going to turn him. This guy was going to turn himself into a first round NBA draft pick, and I think that's where we are.
1: Yeah. And I mean, when you're looking at some other names that are in like the late 20s, you know, like Kevin Porter Jr. I mean, he only scored nine and a half points per game, but, you know, he's entering as a really true freshman. And you might have some teams that just love that and they will take a flyer. But to me, I think with with Cameron, like you said, he has an elite NBA ready skill already shooting. So. Do you think that ultimately he will end up being in the first round bow?
0: A hundred percent. That's that's my prediction at least. There there would be have have to be something really surprising or a piece of information come up uh that I don't anticipate coming up to change that perception. I think people know uh what this guy can do. I, I I'll tell you this. If he gets down to twenty-eight and he hasn't been taken. That's the Golden State Warriors. Think about what they're missing this year. They lost Kevin Durant. He's out with an Achilles uh, tendon rupture. They lost Clay Thompson in Game 6 of the NBA Finals with an ACL tear. They need perimeter shooting, and Cam Johnson provides that instantly. So I, I honestly think that if he got down to 28 I'd be surprised if they if they didn't take him, and then at twenty nine there's San Antonio and at thirty there's milwaukee who who has chris middleton as an all star three point shooter, but you can always use more three point shooters
1: well, and I saw that middleton actually i think elected to opt out of his deal and become a free agent today, didn't he?
0: That's correct, but you know what you can imagine that means is that he's going to opt uh or he'll negotiate with Milwaukee a five-year extension. Milwaukee, since that's his team currently, can negotiate a five-year deal with him. Uh, other teams can negotiate a four-year deal with him, so he could make more money if he stays in Milwaukee. And Milwaukee's ownership has indicated that they're willing, at least, uh, to go in and be a taxpayer, because it, it would put them over the soft cap, presumably, if they, if they included uh, Chris Middleton at a full max. But apparently they are willing to be a taxpayer now to keep this team together because they felt like they were right on the cusp. And honestly, if you imagine Milwaukee playing that finals against the Golden State Warriors and the same injuries happen, Milwaukee could very well have been the champions as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think any of those three names that you just listed, Golden State, Milwaukee, or San Antonio, those would be awesome landing spots for Cam. I think he would find a role there and really, really develop a good NBA career. Let's go ahead and take another very quick commercial break. When we get back, Bo, let's talk about the final two players from UNC that are eligible in this year's draft, and then we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. And we are back with the Inside Carolina Podcast. John Seeley here with Bo Estes of NBA and TheNBA.com. All right, so the last two names that we have not talked about yet, Bo, Luke May and Kenny Williams. Both are on the outside of most drafts that I have seen so far. So not really even being rated as second-round guys. What are you hearing about those two right now? Anything that would kind of lead you to believe that Maybe one or the other could be a surprise pick later on in the second round.
0: Well, I want to include two things here. Uh, Remember what Isaiah Hicks and Theo Pinson have done of late. There's a new contract available in the NBA. It's not entirely new. It's a couple years old now. It's called a two-way contract where a player can shuttle back and forth between the G League and the NBA team and make up to roughly speaking $250,000. It wouldn't shock me to see one of these two players impress in Summer League enough to potentially attract one of those offers, and that would be fantastic. That would be a huge win for either of them. Um, generally, the sense, honestly, with Luke is that he, he starts off as an overseas player, whether it's in the NBL in Australia or in Europe, uh, and then perhaps works his way back. I will say this with regard to Luke. You go back to the NBA being a skill league now, and Luke is a skill player. He's not eye-poppingly athletic, uh, but he can shoot. The thing that I saw Luke develop this year, his senior season at North Carolina, is he would get a rebound and dribble up the court with it. It was not an outlet pass all the time. He can handle the ball enough. Uh, He's a little short to be a stretch for. Uh, His release point is a little low on his shot. His shot's good. It's not great. It's good uh and you know his release could be slow but i i think that there are skills there that luke may could develop into perhaps a two-way contract or uh you know down the road perhaps coming back to the nba my guess if i were a betting man i would say he starts off as an overseas player for kenny williams um this is a guy who i thought a lot was riding on his senior year because he came to unc as a shooter uh he didn't have a great shooting season his freshman year, but he got better as his, his sophomore year and his junior year. His senior year was not what he hoped it would be. It fell off a bit. Um, so he's going to have to prove himself as a shooter to have any shot in the NBA, frankly. Uh, that That's going to be a real challenge for him uh, because he's you know, 6'3", 6'4". He doesn't handle the ball so well like you would want a point guard to handle it, so he needs to shoot. Uh, the one thing we know Kenny Williams can do is defend. Um, so he will attract attention for that. These players, both I'll be out at Vegas summer league. And I I expect both of these players are really going to have to do some good work out there to have any shot at making it in the NBA on a two-way contract. But remember, they will get a shot. I, I, I remember a couple of years ago, Nate Britt was on the Atlanta Hawks summer league team. So everybody gets a look. And and, and that's a good thing. So all these guys want is a chance. They've proven themselves at UNC. Now they got to go prove themselves in the NBA.
1: And the scouts that will be there at Summer League, I mean, it's not just the NBA. It is basically all of the European leagues who will be there as well getting views of these guys, right?
0: So just so you know, I also work for the NBL, which is the Australian Basketball League. I'm an announcer for their highlights. And they are bringing people to the Summer League. Uh, In fact, they're even bringing announcers for some of the Australian prospects. You know, a guy like Joe Ingles came over from the NBL years ago. Mitch Creek was an NBL player who who stuck with the Brooklyn Nets last year. So, you know, NBL scouts will be there. NBL personnel will be there. Sure, there will be guys from Europe there. There'll be people from around the world. This is just an opportunity for scouts of, of, you know, different teams at different levels to lay eyes on players who want to make it professionally Uh, and again, I expect good things of Luke May. I expect good things of Kenny Williams. It's just, are they ready right now? Uh, that's a bit tough for me to imagine, except perhaps, and I think it would be fantastic. I think, you know, I would be thrilled on a two-way contract that might be their avenue.
1: One well, still I mean that pays what three hundred thousand dollars now is what they I update?
0: think it roughly okay I mean all that stuff fluctuates on the number of days that you are with a team but it, there's a cap and it's 40 40 something days that you're allowed to be with the NBA team and then you go back to the G League team but for those days that you're with the NBA team you're paid like a minimum salaried NBA player so Isaiah Hicks has done well the past couple of years Theo Pinson he was fantastic i mean you you couldn't have expected a better outcome for Theo Pinson last year he made himself a name last year on that two way deal so carolina players have done well on two way contracts uh and you know that's a possibility for Luke May that's a possibility although further outside possibility for Kenny Williams you know even going back depending upon his health Joel Berry was with the South Bay Lakers last year he he had a meniscus injury as i understand it but that's a team that's going to be desperately seeking players You know, even he going back to last year could have an opportunity. The two way contract is a great opportunity for these players to stay in America and play in front of the NBA eyes and NBA personnel.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, Bo, we really appreciate all the insight. Let me close out actually with this on a scale from one to 10. How excited are you for Cole Anthony coming (laughs) to Chapel Hill and being a most likely lottery pick
0: (laughs) next year? Uh, the number I would choose is infinity. I'm <laughs> over the moon about this. Remember, Greg Anthony works with us at NBA TV, so it's been fun watching him be evasive for a couple of years about this. Uh, hearing it through friends. But, it, you know, Cole has all the talent in the world, and he's going to have every opportunity to prove that he is a superstar collegiately and in the NBA. I think the challenge for Carolina fans – Is, you know, you just came off a Kobe White experience that was beyond any expectation. Uh, So I think you have to be reasonable and patient with Cole, but I also think you have to recognize the talent in the future. This kid has a bright future. And honestly, if there is a, a UNC player that can continue and recapture the all star, the NBA all star magic, it might just be Cole Anthony.
1: It is really hard to dispute you on that point. I mean, I think everyone is very much looking forward to it. But at the same time, you know, hey, maybe Nasir, Kobe White, they have the talent to do so. Sure. We, we will just have to see what the future holds. But we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Both, thank you very much again. And uh, you're going to have a busy few days, I'm sure, my friend.
0: <laughs> I won't be coming up for until July, but thanks so much. Always a pleasure joining you guys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com brought to you by johnnytshirt.com where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase